0: The COVID. And know this, John and Mike will celebrate when you get here.
1: Will rain when you arrive. Arrived at the Joe Beaver Show, 1240 Joe Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Joe Beaver Show. We have some time to talk today, and I look forward to it, I think. <laughs> We hope that you will indulge us with calls to the Downward Dog phone line and or text to the University Honda text line, the number 541-497-5356. And we haven't talked a lot lately because we've been guest heavy, and that's fun. We have a lot of guests. We enjoy that. Today we have one at this point. Whether anything else comes through, we'll see. It's a good one, though. And a very good one. 13-year major leaguer. Kevin Gregg, Corvallis Native. He's been on with us a few times over the years, even during his career and sometimes in the offseason and so on. But he's one of those that I I have always felt that we have not we've not had the kind of contact with him that we should, if that makes any sense. Being a local long, guy yeah. and a longtime major leaguer.
3: Long long periods of time will go in between yeah. when we get him on. But what let to the us, point where I forget that we had him. Yeah, I, I, what led us to though was he, Greg throws perfect game. Yeah. And well, all, and, and Max the, Greg Kevin's son last yeah. week. Now I'm curious, and I would be I wouldn't be surprised to find out there's some connection to the Greg who's on Gonzaga from Clackamas, Oregon. Maybe it's a nephew or a cousin. I don't I don't know that story. Yeah. At all.
2: That brings up basketball the game of basketball and the NCAA tournament, which we also hope to hear you out concerning. I, I do. I kind of want to begin with while we, I hope we talk. And in a sense, it will break the silence, the silence that fell over the ballpark yesterday.
3: <laughs> the Paul. It, yeah.
2: The pall. the silence as fans just gathered up their jackets and their coats and their blankets on a cold raw day at the ballpark and kind of walked out. I had people looking up at me, through the open window of the McGrath family press box, just kind of shaking their head, you know the the same folks the previous days were waving and high fiving, fist bumping. Twenty one yeah. runs on Friday, twelve more runs on Saturday, and then the reality of the tough, exacting game of baseball: one run yesterday, and going into the ninth, it looked like one might be enough. And it doesn't matter, as I said, if you win twenty one to nothing, seventeen to 13, one nothing, a win is a win and you were three outs away from getting it, and then Mm -hmm. two outs away with nobody on. And then things happened and unfolded, and you lose three to one. You could look at some of the pitching late and say, well, you got to do this, do that. Yes, yes. But one run scored on a Sunday. I mean, that's generally not going to get it done, but that is two Sundays in a row now where the Beavers have had leads going into the ninth and haven't won. Therefore, there's a sense of... Missed opportunity, because sweeps are so darn difficult to get. Yeah, they are. And you've had two weekends in a row where you had to look at it on a Sunday. And so even though you're still in good shape, the program a few miles from here is all alone in first. But still, you are born to, you've won both series. And so all of that pulling back, you say, good.
3: Yeah. good. Uh, you, 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 you want to win series, especially on the road. And they did that with Washington State. You, want to, uh, you just want to win series all the way through. Now, you want to win every game. But it's realistic to have that goal, and realistic to have that goal with this Beaver team. The good thing about it is that for a while there in yesterday's game, there was a sense of finding some pitching for Sunday. Maybe not a starter, but certainly a, a couple of guys that might get be able to get the job done, and, and there were what? At what point? You rattled it off. How many different how many total they, batters retired? I think 15 in a row. 15 in a row. Mm-hmm. And one pitcher had 12 of them. Yeah. No, it, it, Ben Ferrer. Ben Ferrer. So maybe you've got some guys there. Maybe Ferrer ends up being your starter on Sunday. Um, he went five, and so that means he can be extended. Can be a guy that can extend so, and get, get some yeah. outs. Yes. That's a good point, John. So I mean, there was actually in that frustration of loss may have come some right some positive things of discovery
2: yeah that's right and that's how you have to look at whatever game you were in what can you take from it to learn and yeah. move forward? yeah but with reference to the paul <laughs> and to the silence it had been kind of a cold uncomfortable day all day anyway but yeah. you still felt like okay okay we'll get through this find a way to win one nothing after rolling over them in the previous two days so whatever your thoughts are along the way today, as ardent fans who probably joined in that kind of silent filing out, and even if you weren't at Goss Stadium at Coleman Field, the turning off of your radio or your uh, powering down the computer or however you took the game in. And by the way, yesterday, just to let you know, there was only one camera on the baseball game. I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Never seeing the streams, the Oregon State stream, process for home games is probably among the best in the conference, if not the country. I, I, I can't know that for sure. Not watching many stream versions of games, but those of you who do how good is Oregon state's home baseball stream? Generally, I'll tell you, I'll tell you yesterday, just one camera because the others were accorded
3: to the women's WNIT, game. which was fine. Yeah. Um, Cause I watched the stream while listening to you. It was separated by a lot. Mm. as far as your call and then what you see because i was in here running the game tj wanted to go see his former school and yeah i'll work okay I'll, i'll i'll do it for you um but you know you remember this last year doing games off of streams and i will say that of all the streams that i had to call games off of oregon state is hands down the best the absolute best finding where the ball is quickly mm-hmm. with certain camera cuts and mm-hmm. all of that. I mean, there were there were games last year, and you, you had this too, I know, because I remember listening to one of your calls where you surmised very quickly something that had happened on first, even though the camera wasn't there. Right, right. And I tried to do that, and I just couldn't. I, mm-hmm. You have to be honest and say the camera did not go from the pitcher. This mm-hmm. happened with Grand Canyon. It happened early with uh, whatever we were picking up down in Surprise The camera did not go from the pitcher. The camera's isolated on the pitcher. He throws the ball, and the camera stays there. (laughs) And the ball's doing something. Yeah, it didn't go. They didn't cut the camera. Was it a swing and a miss? Who knows what it is? So anyway, I will say Oregon State's is is hands down the best. There was some complaints about the women's game not working properly, but that's just got to be a technical issue, I'm sure, because the people certainly know what they're doing. It's just um, there was problems last night. I guess, for a while with the women's game. I heard you mention that
2: this morning on the on the clue morning update. But one of the things that I want to get back to, if you have any comment at all about, about the stream and all of that, feel yeah. free, but the game itself is yeah. what I'm hoping to hear a little bit about today. From the standpoint of <laughs> how I, I've been trying to think of the lyric, maybe you could even bring up the song but it, it, it's, I like John Denver. I don't know if you were ever a John Denver fan. I like a lot of John Denver Love John songs. I I like one of the songs he wrote was Follow Me, up and down, up and down, all the way, all around. It's kind of a good
3: tune. You know it, right? As I say I it, never, you hear it. I've never heard that song ever. You have. And I'm a big John Denver fan. Yes, you don't understand, kid, as Darren McGavin
2: says. in Well, you don't understand, kid. I already have. You already have heard the song. You just don't know it. Yeah. You know the song. When you hear it, you'll know it. But there's a line in it where he says something about how good it is, how right it is to care, or something like that. How right it is to care. This is I always say that's a good line. It's a good line because in that relationship that they were in evidently they both care they care deeply how right it is to care <laughs> well, and the, that's the phrase that came to my mind watching silent fans file out of the ballpark how right it is to, to care. care yeah but
3: you know it's a deep you got it yeah now yeah, you've heard this come on to be so in love
4: with you mm, i'm so not
3: long. noticing it follow me yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah.
2: thank you. See, I told yeah. you, kid, you yeah. don't understand. You already have. Make it part of you. Okay, his voice squeaked yeah. on there. No, well, that's not. That's one of those older bad versions. Yeah. Denver did some cheap knockoffs later in his career. I'm serious. I when I go Spotify or whatever else and yeah. some of his stuff Take Me Home, Country Roads, there's a version of it that's just plain bad. It's like, give me the guitar, get put the microphone in front of me, here we go. And I'm serious, that's stuff out there. Well, I don't I mean, know, it's like him at the end of the line. Okay, how many times have I sung this song in my life? Well, here we go again. <laughs> record, go. And it's not a good version of it at all. And that makes me bad. mad at John. It makes me mad that that version even exists. It shouldn't be put up there. No, it should not. It shouldn't
3: be an and option. That do not sound like getting. one of his
2: better versions no, it was, of that. That was, was
3: a live version of him at some Okay. Some show. Well, that's something. all right. Then Live is different than just give me
2: the guitar and studio and we're going to knock <laughs> this thing out again for another album we're going to sell. I mean, <laughs> I just don't care for that approach. And I don't know who makes those decisions in that industry. Bob Santelli might be able
3: to help It's like with that. any industry where you're hanging on too long.
2: <laughs> it's not even so much John himself, who I'm sure had the artist's. Craftsmanship about what he wants to do, but when somebody says we're gonna, we need you to record another version of it for this album that we're gonna release, the diamond hits or whatever else. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just sorry that John, at that point, maybe hanging on too long or what, but just couldn't do the song again without with throwing his soul into it. You got a bad version on that Spotify thing. Well, no, I've got some other stuff. It just takes some albums that they put up there have the bad versions of stuff. Yeah, and they never should have put it on No, there. they just shouldn't have ever made that available for general consumption. How right it is to care, I think, is a line in that song somewhere. It's and never wrong to care. Well, I know, but in this case, I'm applying that rightness to care and be silent heading into your Sunday. A good thing. Yeah. Because we do invest so much emotionally in these games. That I drive home from the cold. I've been in the cold for four hours, was cold, wanted to warm up. Got home by the fire. Ain't it good to be back home again to invoke a fray? Hey, did it never warm ba- up? No, it never did warm up. Right, folks? Be- uh, Beamer Nation, Agass Stadium, or Coleman Field, did it ever warm up? I heard you talking about blankets. And there were blankets, you know, wrapped around. Yeah. One person used a blanket as kind of a, a catcher, a mitt. And, and a foul ball came in there. It was good. And, to...
3: and you got some drizzle, a little bit of drizzle?
2: A little drizzle. bit of drizzle, uh, maybe more than I. I'm underneath the roof, so maybe some of you, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, you're yeah. up there in that warm, no, it wasn't warm. Got the window open. <laughs> But however you took the game in, we'd love to hear from you today and your thoughts about the game. We all have, uh, you know, a multitude of opinions. Uh, the great Thomas a Kempis said, the Lord hath delivered me from a multitude of opinions. <laughs> well, he got delivered in his sort of sequestered monkish world from a multitude of opinions. And yet in his own mind, you know, he's going back and forth and as we all do every day about what we really think or feel. So. You can't escape that world, but a campus said the Lord hath delivered me from a multitude of opinions, which sounds like he could be talking about Twitter or TikTok or Instagram today. Oh, yeah. Today. Yeah. But he was or the town square back then. Yeah. So, the multitude of opinions though without him this format doesn't exist. The whole sports yeah. talk and debate world doesn't exist and I I almost feel as though I joined in and almost feel bad about it today, from the standpoint of trying to break down a game, reconstruct a game. We all, all of you, are certainly sharing in the stands. Well, they ought to. How come they don't pinch it? Why'd they take that guy out? They should have left that guy in. They, why? You know, all that kind of stuff that goes on that part of makes the game so compelling. I am sure many of you have a lot of uh, thoughts along those lines, and I weighed in with kind of an opinion. That I regret now when I think about it. When you think about how how much goes into all of these games and the care factor. Yeah. When the Beavers, I can't remember the ending. I don't have. I could produce the score sheet and, and get it exactly, but I think you'll know what I'm talking about. Up one nothing, middle of the game, the red hot Mason Guerra to the plate, first and second, nobody out. So I, in my perceived. Went into the whole refrain about how I was going to have him on the pregame show, but I just want to leave the kid alone yeah. when he's eight for eight. Seven for seven going into the series and gets a hit. And now he's eight for eight. Mark Kuykendall texted and said, you jinxed him by saying he's eight for eight. And I said, no, because I've been saying all weekend, he's now four for four, five for five. He's yeah. got four doubles. He's yeah. this, he's that. So I texted back and said, no, they j- I texted him just jokingly. Yeah. They jinxed him by calling an offensive timeout to talk about it. Because that was my sort of what I fell on, and I was wrong to go there because it smacks of second guessing in the standpoint that here's a guy, 8 for 8 in the series. My feeling was let him let the kid go. Don't even, don't even think about budding here. And yet, many of you are saying, I don't care if he's 10 for 10 or 40 for 40. You got to bunt there. You got to move those runners and get one more runner on the. If you get two runs in this game, you're going to win the game. Yeah. And they would have won the game. Had they been up 2 0 going into the night, they would have won it. I don't care about the three spot. Things change, circumstances change. They would have won the game with one more run, in my view. So, Guerra, eight for eight in the series with four doubles, even so, first and second, nobody out. Part of me decided, let him go. Let the kid lose. Don't even. He's. He's seen ball, hitting ball, and driving the ball, and let him do it again. But they called a timeout. They eschewed the bunt, and he strikes out now instead of first first out he's made in the series. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with Mason Guerra. He makes one out, and he goes 9 for 11 over the weekend. And yet he was the guy in the middle of the game that sort of one of the more monumental moments of the game occurred. And Gippy, Ryan, and they wanted to talk about it. So they call a timeout. They get everybody together. And... Ryan, in the sense of letting the kid go, that's what he, he lets the kid go and hit and yeah. hit away, and he ends up striking out. But I've talked to a couple of people today who said, oh, you got a bunt in that situation. You know what I mean? They, yeah. They've shared that yeah. you got a bunt. I don't care what. So that, again, is a, one of the multitude of opinions about yesterday's game. But I, I chose to kind of say that, well, you know, the, I'm not saying I told you so, but maybe they should have just let him go. So I had one voice, one moment where I ventured and waded into those waters of opinion and almost feel bad about it now because you've got hardworking coaches who know their personnel and know their game far better than I know it and know what's what the right thing to do is in a right. certain situation. So they turned Mason loose to hit and he struck out. And I've had people now coming after the facts and they should have bunted him there.
3: Baseball is such a uh, thankless game from a coaching standpoint because it's so slow, and every movement and every play can be second-guessed, every single one. Basketball and football happens too quickly. Yeah, you can say, why do we punt on fourth down from our own territory? Mm -hmm. Those are glaring uh, decisions that are made, but something like that happens every play in baseball. And there's always a well. This is what you do here. This is what you do there. But what, but coaches need to be able to do what their gut says, and not have everybody second guess them because of what quote unquote the book says. Analytics has changed the world because in baseball, baseball had more analytics than any sport before analytics was even created. It was called you know scouting and and mm-hmm. and different That's moves true. and different scenarios for what you do in certain certain scenarios. But it, they they piled on it now with even more analytics mm-hmm. where, you know, a coach might do an analytic type thing, type move that he might not have done before if they weren't using all these numbers. So um, yep. I, mean, I would not want to be a baseball coach because, you know, you're you're going to be second guessed on virtually every move you make. Well, and it does build that way. So, it? yeah, right. you're right. And that. Your gut wants to say, eight for eight, let him go, man, go, right. let him go, right. let him go. And they did, so that yeah, was the right did. call. Yeah, they did, they did. I think strike, strike out, out or not, that was the right, right. call.
2: Right, no, I, I, but other people who know the game very well said, no, you got to bunt him. There. First and second, nobody, I don't care how he is, you got to move that runner over and get that other runner with another safety squeeze or whatever else. Just get another run in well, that game and that one. But we're run.
3: lucky that there is any small ball at all. Because there are other teams right. even at the collegiate level that forget that. That's, that's out true.
2: The window, forget you. But yesterday, Boom. that's true. S- swing away. Yesterday, the ball was not carrying. It was a raw, cold day with no carry. Anyway, let's take a break. That's one of a multitude of opinions. <laughs> if you have any, and how about the argumentative style of Willie Bloomquist? The yeah, I want to know what happened. The strangest argument I've ever seen a head coach make. Well, I make like your uh, Moonlight
3: Graham reference. That I- was cool.
2: Anybody who was there close at the game watched the stream, what was Willie doing? I, I mean, <laughs> he may have been right to argue the call at first, although I think Dernetti did get him. I've, not, I've never seen a replay of it. It was a great play by Kyle back up the middle. Bloomquist, who'd been ejected the day before, arguing balls and strikes at that bang bang play at first, comes walking out as if he's going to make a pitching change, you know, take it did into his own hands. With both and then with the he line. stops inches short of the foul line, like, oh, I can't go any further. <laughs> Stops and waits for the first base umpire that he has the beef with to come down to him, so he can go through at pretty great length. Yeah, his disagreement about the call at first it was just one of the strangest things was, I've ever seen. It sounded weird. Let's take a break. Four nine seven fifty three fifty six. Table, hold on. Wnit, did you go? What about that game for the beeves the NCAA tournament one year ago today? One year ago today in Indianapolis. The Beavers beat Oklahoma State to go to the Sweet Sixteen. Wow! And so, with all of these teams on to the Sweet six, Sweet Sixteen, it brings back memories uh, and how much I love the Sweet Sixteen. And when you were Sweet Sixteen, and I met you on the Village Green. Let's take a break. Four nine seven fifty three fifty six. Would love to hear from you. Your thoughts, opinions, uh, observations on the baseball weekend, the NCAA tournament. One weekend in, your thoughts, is your bracket blown up? Are any of you still alive with St. Peter's? 497 5356 1240 Joe Radio.
5: Have you seen Highland Bowl's expanded Strike Zone Lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games too. Highland Bowl, it isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded Strike Zone Lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set
0: them up. You knock them down. <laughs>
6: Need an extra bed for the family? Expect an out-of-town guest this summer? Not sure where they're going to sleep? You could add a new bedroom onto the house. Or an easier and less expensive solution would be to buy a futon from Futon Man in Corvallis. Futon Man has quality constructed solid hardwood frames in lots of styles and finishes. Their mattresses are highly resilient, have a long-lasting foam core, and are made right in the store. There's lots of decorative cover choices, too. Stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99 or online at futon-man.com. Trump's Hobbies in Corvallis has been a full-line old-fashioned hobby shop since 1972. Stop by and see their selection of radio control cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters. Trump's has model trains, rockets, drones, fantasy games, and puzzles, plus paints, parts, and accessories. They're also proud to support schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid-Valley and the Oregon Coast. Build it, drive it, fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life.
3: Whether you're looking for your first job or an exciting career change, at ntech we're looking for you. ntech is growing and offers entry-level wages starting at $19 to $22 per hour, as well as excellent pay and benefit opportunities for established professionals, immediate full benefit eligibility, health insurance, 401K, life and disability, tuition reimbursement, and so much more. Career opportunities from entry-level to professional are available. To start enjoying the career you've always wanted, visit ENTEK.com, ntech.com and click the careers tab. We're excited to meet you.
7: Dave's Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids has the right tires for the right price for your Prius, Toyota, and all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Come meet Dave's new tire expert, Eddie, with 27 years' experience in the industry and save today. Need an oil change? Get $20 off your next oil service at Dave's Performance Hybrids off I-5 and Highway 20 in Albany online at davesperformancehybrids.com. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project but have finally decided to take a leap and get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood and vinyl flooring and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go beeves! It's
2: a, oh. Now, thank you. I don't know if anybody has texted on the University Haunted text line. I knew it was a John Denver lyric, and maybe yeah. Follow Me has, has some uh, affinities with poems and prayers and promises because I looked up the lyrics of Follow Me, and it didn't find the phrase.
0: Oh yeah, okay. It's
2: poems and prayers and promises. Has anyone texted that correction? Which is another sweet little tune, but talk of poems and prayers and promises and things that we believe in, John sings, how sweet it is to love someone how right it is to care. That's the phrase that was gripping my mind. And I just couldn't name the song as I watched people silently leaving Goss stadium at Coleman field yesterday, after all of the exuberance from the days before that's baseball. It's what it means to be a fan and how right it is to care. We're not in any way. We love the fact that the place was full about 40 souls shy of a sellout, 18 souls, so I have a sellout, official sellout yesterday. So if you have some things you'd like to share about the weekend that you observed, either in person, at the ballpark. Some good text
3: here that will spawn some conversation.
2: Okay, good. And we'll get to them. Dave has called first and, as always, with his contributions, which I know will be uh, in-depth about baseball because I think he observed all three games closely. And we do want to get into the NCAA tournament. Was there a foul at midcourt near the end at the end of regulation yeah. that bailed Arizona out? I don't think so. I thought no, it was no. a flop by but, Miles, the TCU player, okay. I, to I try to draw may, the foul. He
3: may have slipped. He may be a flop, right. but wasn't he in back court? Should have been a whistle. That Oh, it,
2: that was over and back, and yeah. that could have given Arizona the ball, maybe had a chance instead of the drive that, right. and the dunk that it, uh, came just after oh, the set, light yeah. came on. What an exciting finish oh, for that man, one. That
3: was a great game. So
2: if you have some thoughts about any of that, feel free at 496. Seven fifty-three fifty-six. Dave, good morning. Welcome to the Joe Beaver show.
4: Thanks. Uh, and good morning to you, uh, gentlemen, a few quick hits, uh, uh guys. And then I, I want to pose a particular question, uh, uh, Mike, uh, based upon what you. and I was only there for the Friday and Saturday game, but uh, fortunately I wasn't there for Sunday's game. That would have been a dismal drive home. <laughs> so, um, Here's a a, a couple of memories. So I happened to be sitting with Dominic uh, midway into the Friday night game and he was giving me some literature about joining the dugout club. And by the way, Dominic, the check is in the mail today. Nice. Thank you. And and So Dominic, as you know, Mike, he keeps scoring. I'm kind of looking down uh, at his scorecard, and I see that at one point through the sixth inning, Meckler had been up every inning, and, <laughs> and there was there was a lot of compression on yeah. prominent scorecard, which yeah. is always a nice problem to have uh, for, if it's your team that's uh, crowding uh, crowding the chart. So that was interesting, and all of Bazana's RBI mm-hmm. opportunities, et cetera. Uh, but here's uh, and, and but to get to the greater substance of things, you're both right, of course. Winning the series is the uh, important thing. We've got two conference series in hand. But here's the problem, guys. It's probable that WSU and Arizona State are going to end up in the bubble for even being able to qualify for the postseason tournament, which is another way of saying it's one thing to take two out of three against Stanford or at Arizona or the Ducks or UCLA it's another thing entirely to win two out of three against Washington State or the ASU team, which is uh, having a difficult time at home. So uh, it's, the winning those series is less than it could be or should be. And I think it's uh, – and although the, 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 the pitching performance on Sunday, and I didn't even listen to the game – intently because we had company let alone watch the game that's certainly encouraging mm-hmm. but that's the second weekend in a row where we have a blown save mm-hmm. late that's cost us a game and uh, so it looks as if the sunday games until we see more plots on the graph going back to a uh, uh, sophomore level geometry it looks like the sunday games the midweek games are going to be a little bit of an adventure which is going to put a premium on winning the Friday night, Saturday night games. So here are my question. Here's my question, Mike. I'm just wondering because you would have done your chart and the pitchers and their role on the Arizona State would be more meaningful to, to you than to me, who's just watching a game in front of me. Was the fact that Oregon State got out to such big leads on Friday and Saturday suggest that Arizona State was able to save their best arms? for Sunday in relief, uh, and conversely, uh, uh, the fact
3: yeah,
6: that yeah.
4: Is, or- is Oregon State a little bit of a front-runner with its potent offense so that when the games get tight, the team itself tightens up a little bit. And I have one last observation about Jim Wilson, but let me stop there if you've got time to come back. Well, to yeah, Dave, him.
2: it's too early when you talk about small sample size. And I don't know Plot's on the graph. I'm not sure I can say that yet. This was my first full week seeing the team, being around the team. The first conference series that I had, it did strike me that in the Arizona State it, Friday's game in particular, they went a little longer with guys because the game's out of hand. That horse was running away out of the barn wildly, can't be brought. Just you know, burn some innings. Get let's get through this. They did have their pitching lined up for a pretty good day yesterday, and you know, Willie was in a salvage mode yesterday, and. The guy that he started Sunday was their best guy all weekend, just in terms of command and keeping the Beaver hitters off balance. That guy pitched an extremely good ball game, and then they were good out of the pen, too. So I do think the blowouts the previous games, Willie probably didn't go to guys that he could have in tighter games because he said, what's the point of burning them up in a game we're not going to come back and win? So I think he managed that pretty well in that, in that light.
4: Uh, yeah, and by the way, Willie did walk past us when he got thrown out, and I regret, I have to, uh, this isn't exactly a confession. I'll do that separately in another venue. Yes. Yeah. But I said to him as he was walking by, see you Sunday, Willie, and as soon as I said it, I kind of felt bad because that's not, thats just not who I like to think I, I am. But but anyway, so Jim Wilson is reputed. So, the thing, I've talked about this before. This would be my last observation. I, the one thing, again, I, I, I call from a fan's perspective. I'm not a player. I'm not an announcer. I'm not a sports administrator. Uh, this is just something uh, that bothers fans They're taking out pitchers who are doing well. Mm-hmm. Jim Wilson is reputed to have said that every time you bring in a new guy, you're expecting that player to have as good a day as the players that he is replacing. And there's always a risk there. Uh, I take it on good authority that Jim has said that. If either of you ever heard him say that in his company, and I'd just be curious about how that plays in, in the dynamic of taking out a reliever who's been dominating and bringing in another guy and hoping he's as good, is going to perform as well as the guy he's replaced.
2: And, Dave, that's a a good question, and yesterday probably would be uh, the perfect day to kind of bring that up. Ben Ferrer was rolling, but he had gone five innings, and Ryan Brown uh, pitched well, but uh, hasn't necessarily been asked to be the closer in the ninth, so you could have, in theory, rolled him back into the ninth inning, but he hasn't been in that role yet. You brought guys in that uh, maybe D.J. Carpenter was morphing into based on what he did the other night in striking out uh, the side in a ball game against grand Canyon with dominant fastballs, maybe with Mitchell having struggled a little bit the week before you were trying to see, okay, maybe we're going to hand the ball to this guy now and he's going to go out and be lights out three punch outs or three quick outs. We win one, nothing and all as well. There's a lot that goes into what rich Dorman and Mitch Canham and the coaches talk about in terms of making decisions. I have not talked to them yet about yesterday's choices, but I do know that it all seems to we all sometimes wonder when it comes to the multitude of opinions, Jim included yourself, yours truly others. If a guy's on a roll, why not leave him on a roll or you just keep keep handing the ball off to Jaquiz Rogers until USC stops him? I mean, just keep doing what's working. But I do think there maybe it's analytics, maybe it's maybe it's even numbers and data they have, hey, the fastball, has lost a little bit of life yes he's retired 13 in a row but the stuff's but we don't want him to make one bad pitch in a tight game and have it turned around to the railroad track so there's a lot of things that go into these decisions Dave that I'm not privy to but I I understand the question I think it's a fair question and Jim's observation about you're expecting this guy to come in to be as good as the last guy was that's sometimes a bit of an unreasonable expectation no doubt so I don't know how to answer you other than to say it's a good question and one I understand, particularly based on how yesterday played out.
3: Okay, thanks for taking the call. You. Gentlemen, have a nice day. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, that's a that's true for every sport, like uh, football. Why you're, you're running the ball? Why you all of a sudden start passing the ball yep. and and change everything up? <clears throat> See the uh, Alamo Bowl. and
0: uh, coaches yep.
3: have to deal with with having to you know be second guessed on those things on every time. But yeah. baseball will be a tough one because, like you said, maybe we're seeing. You know, he him mow a guy mowing a guy a bunch mm-hmm. of hitters down, but the coach is going, yeah, but yeah, the catcher comes back and says he, you know, the the velo's yeah. velo's yeah. fading it's a little. Fading. It's not as firm. It's and not as heavy. It's
2: not in a one run game. Yeah, is the you know, difference. I, I, the, everything yesterday played out according to plan. It looked like up one nothing. Give the ball to your closer. Go get the three outs and win the series. And, yeah, you know, I'm not. The way they've used Brown and and Ferrer is probably spent after five. He, he was brilliant, and maybe what you said could lead to well. If he can go five in long relief, can he start a game and give you five or six yeah. as a starter? Yeah. You bring Jake Fenigs back in in the near future, which I believe is in the works. You may be back in pretty good shape there if you have Jerpy Fenigs, Kamatz, Ferrer Maybe I mean you yeah, get,
3: yeah. Now nah, yeah. you're getting a little depth right. back
2: again. Let's break. We'll come back with more. If you'd like to join us, 497-5356. Great to have you with us. And uh, how right it is to care on 1240 Joe Radio.
8: Kraken Cards combines the worlds of sports cards and games to bring a fresh take on your local game store. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, and more. If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. OSU fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box just for you. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. KrakenSportsCards.com, your connection to everything fun.
7: Dave's Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids has the right tires for the right price for your Prius, Toyota, and all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Come meet Dave's new tire expert, Eddie, with 27 years experience in the industry and save today. Need an oil change? Get $20 off your next oil service at Dave's Performance Hybrids, off I-5 and Highway 20 in Albany, online at davesperformancehybrids.com.
8: You can depend on Middleton Heating for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Have you cleaned your dryer vents this year? If not, call Middleton. Their trained technicians will inspect and clean your dryer venting system with the Rotobrush Vent Cleaning Machine. Plus, they can make any needed repairs for optimum efficiency. Clean dryer vents prevent fires, increase drying efficiency, prevent mold, and increase the life of your dryer. Give Middleton a call to schedule today online at middletonheating.net.
1: Looking for an appliance? Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen, refrigerators, freezers, dishwashers, cooking appliances, washers, and dryers. If it is an appliance or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance. We offer install and delivery on the product we sell. We even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street in Lebanon. Kellenberger Appliance, the best place to buy appliances. On the web at kellenburgers.com.
7: If you've been putting off that home remodeling project but have finally decided to take a leap and get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood, and vinyl flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to corvallisfloorcovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beeves!
5: If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services, too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go Beavs. The home of the Oregon State Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.
2: That, that might have been in
0: his thinking.
2: Right. Doug Blair, yeah. uh, whose seats are down very near the right. <laughs> visitors' dugout and visit, talking about visiting with Willie Bloomquist a little bit. Three
3: feet away from, from the And class. Willie was
2: amiable yeah. on yeah. Sunday, going what, into the uh, game after getting
3: thrown out on Saturday for arguing balls and strikes. Now, how, how dramatic was that? Was it? Well. Explain the throwout, the getting <laughs> thrown out. Now, Dave, was a fairly, Dave talked to him on his way out. I gave him the see you
2: Sunday, yeah. which is nothing wrong with that, really. I mean, it's, it's uh, a I'm little a bit fan. of a taunt. I know. I know. I could tell that there were some fans kind of giving him a little bit of the Bronx cheer, whatever else, as right. he's on his way right. out. right. I was a little surprised. I thought it was a pretty quick thumb. Really? I did. I mean, he was, but on a certain level, technically speaking, you don't, you're you're, quote, not allowed to argue balls and strikes. So if you argue at all, in theory, you are susceptible to being tossed. Yeah. And he went, he got pretty hot about a check swing call that was called no swing and came out quickly briskly and made his point and argued yelling at the first base umpire then turned to say something to the home plate umpire and the home plate umpire after a fairly quick Mm -hmm. reaction on willie's part to the non-strike call gave him the heave ho. do you think it was um planned strategic no no i don't in fact that i no i thought maybe there was an element of that to it and willie did say he told Doug and Les and mm-hmm. Bob and Chris, whoever was all down there. I'm not sure who all yeah. will occupy those seats, but something to the effect of, well, I was hoping it would motivate the club. Clearly that method didn't work with the Beavers going on to win 12-2. to But whatever whatever your thoughts are, we'd love to hear uh, today. The experience of the baseball weekend. And some of you experienced both yesterday? A baseball hoops doubleheader. Game over. Right order. I think I was off the air. John, did you carry both games on 1240 Joe Radio?
3: Yeah, we were going to do 990 because we assumed um, overlap. But I was done. You were done. I was going to text you, too, and And say, say, hey, hurry up. Make this fast. But it worked perfectly. In fact, almost to the minute, it worked.
2: I looked at the clock and saw 328. Yeah. And I thought, this might work. If I get off
3: now... It was only off by 10 seconds. And Ron Callen will be coming right up here yeah. with the pregame show. It was absolutely perfect. TJ got here to run that game, so I okay. could go home for my Sunday. And, and it worked out perfectly. But um, we just decided... I, I looked at the clock. In fact, Ron texted me and said, you know... Mm-hmm. this is going to go quicker. And I'm like, yeah. And then I got to thinking, cause TJ and I did it. And I'm like, what were we thinking? Why did we think that that would overlap? Cause it was so <laughs> really, if it doesn't go extra innings, it's not even as close as it was. Right. We could have done that. So I quickly pulled it back off over to 1240. Over to 1240. And I just hope that the listeners use common sense to say, well, if it's not here, then it's going to be there.
2: And there's always the stream.
3: But is there's correct. also
2: too the op, and we're going to go to Dave here in just a second on the Downward Dog phone line. The stream is a wondrous thing, and to be able to have games on, you know, on demand, yeah, on our phones and other devices anywhere, anytime, is a great thing. I understand it. I don't avail myself of it as much as I should. I'm still a terrestrial radio person, but it pleased me yesterday, John, to offer that one observation looking over Glenda Curry who brought in the 1986 media oh, yeah. guide yeah, and thinking about the phenomenon of Beaver baseball yeah, and what Pat Casey has built and what Mitch and Pat Bales and others carry on, but what what Pat Casey built. I remember talking to him in 99 when I first started games. He yeah. said, I want to get a radio network, and get games up and down the state. He said that in 99. He also talked to me about lights. Well, why are lights important, Pat? Well, you got to have lights if you're going to host a regional. And I'm sitting there looking at him, I'm going, host a regional. Don't get carried away. Let's just, you know, let's just get to a 500 record code. No, I mean, that, but you understand. Yeah, yeah. Raising the funds for Goss Stadium and dedicating it in 1999 against Pat Murphy in Arizona State. All the things that the visionary, the relentless, motivated, competitive man that Pat Casey right. is. One of the smaller aspects of it, but something he wanted to do was have games on
3: the radio all of them not just some of them so he got all it. Of them. he understood the value of it he did evidently because <laughs> a lot of coaches yeah just, hey,
2: radio like, who well, yeah, why, just a bunch interview of you me I, I get yeah, out no of here. I know and so that was something in his mind as he was building the program and yesterday when we went to station identification time it occurred to me reading Glenda Curry's media guide that she brought from 86 on page three of that media guide. Beaver's radio coverage. So I looked at it and said, once again this year, Clue 13, Clue AM 1340 yeah. or whatever, Clue Radio 1340 AM, will carry seven Pac-10 Northern Division home games on
3: the radio this season.
2: <laughs> hey, and you laugh. You chuckle. Just I laugh Seven too. home
3: games. Seven home games for that the schedule. That reminds me of, of waiting until 1130 to watch the NBA conference finals
2: with the voice, and they said, Pat Lafferty will call the games. Yeah. And Pat was a tremendous broadcaster, great baseball announcer. I'm sure yeah. those seven games were, were good to have on. But that's all they had yeah. of the whole schedule, seven home games on the radio. And so it just struck me as, again, a phenomenon of Pat Casey in the era, yep. that there were fully eight stations yesterday, up and down the, the state, carrying the games. Yeah, it was uh, – I just,
3: heard that part, and I thought – that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And, and again,
2: it's a legacy of Coach Casey. And also, and I was honest enough to say, too, that when the team started to get in 05, is when that network began to build. It's not as though Pat's going well, to build a of network
3: of stations. Outside of here. But here, we went all We away. went all in. All and in. Did every I think game in 99 or 2000.
2: Yeah, every game. And I think it, almost every game was being done a little before that, even before yeah. we got here in yeah. 99. I think that was beginning to happen. Kip, Kip. Grace, I need a one-way ticket to Reno. Kip, tell me uh, what if that's true. I think uh, the schedule is being ramped up. Right, that's why they kept calling you to fill in. Let's go to uh, Dave. But what a great—I mean, again, Pat Casey thinking about an overall build of a program, and that was on his list too. When he, when he sat down, how are we going to get this program to a championship level? It's not as though we got to be on the radio. Was way up on the list building the stadium. <laughs> recruiting players, winning games, yeah. but it was on his list, which well, I've always
3: appreciated about. If you're a good CEO, a good leader, you look at everything else, you go, okay, if, we need to have all of this. Dave, good morning. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show.
9: Good morning. John, did you get my message this morning? We were talking about the tournament bracket, and I, and I only bring it up as a, as a PSA. I joined the ESPN tournament challenge which is what i think you guys used last year oh yeah and and you're using a different format this year the ncaa so so there's about eight of us in this other espn tournament challenge and uh and i guess it's a moot point i am i am in first place there which surprised me but uh i'm not in with the rest of the guys like you and josh and and all those guys because you're in a different uh a different style or a different format or a different website, whatever it is that's getting used. So it, it, there's probably other people out there that did the same thing as me, obviously, because there, there's eight of us in that group. Um, so well, if you're one of them, you, you, may, you <laughs> may understand why you, you may think you number one or, or how you're faring with, uh, with, the, with the Joe radio station right now.
3: That is true. And I, um, I'll say that you must have missed the many times that, I described what we were doing uh, because I talked about our 1240 Joe Radio Bracket Challenge presented by Kellenberger Appliances, said that we always did it on ESPN. We're going to do it on our, on our own with this new contractor. It allows us to have prizes, which we do, and then I gave all the information on how to uh, to get people in, and, and you must have missed it, but we did it many times on both uh, 1340 and here on Joe.
9: I did miss it and part of the reason is because it was kind of an after afterthought, last minute type thing. Like, hey the tournament starts in about a half hour. I should uh fill my bracket out. Yeah. That's what I had from, from last year. So it and so I, I did miss it and I'm not I'm not concerned about the prize or anything else. More more bragging rides for about ten minutes after the championship's over and then it's done until next year, right? But uh
3: Yeah. <laughs>
7: Yeah, but yeah, and it's
3: fine. I mean, it, it not, not everybody hears everything. It, it's like radio. Listening to radio yeah. is an interesting uh, thing because it, it can go both ways. You can hear one thing and think, "Did I hear that right?" And then go tell the world on the internet, "Did John Warren just say that?" And it's no, I didn't say that. Or you can he, listen all the time, and I know you're a really good loyal listener, and then literally. The 10, 15 times that we mentioned this, you just literally were not there at that moment, <laughs> and which is odd because the yeah. odds are that you wouldn't. But but there were a couple of other people. And there was one listener, by the way, David, I'm glad that you, um, you're you writing in and asking this question because it allows me to uh, pick up a text that we got earlier here on the University Honda text line about um, people not being able to get in and see their pics. I have no idea. No idea what is, if, if a person has a problem doing something, there's a chance it's on them and it's not on the system. And I was able to get into our bracket all weekend long, click on names, click and see my bracket. You just, I don't, I honestly don't know what these other people were what the problem they're having. And I'm not saying it's your fault at all. I just don't know what you were seeing that didn't work. And again, Dave, I'm talking to those other people, but it worked yep. for me, and it worked for a few others all weekend long at any time. There were some times when games just got done, and it would go mm-hmm. to, uh, it would say, busy updating. Right. And then yep. when it was done, the list would repopulate and show me climbing to the top, <laughs> which is not hey, true. Dave, a, anything else,
9: Dave? Just You're a few w- quick comments about baseball. Yeah, go. Now, on the surface, was frustrated with with the loss this Sunday and last Sunday. However, last Sunday was different, and we know it was different. We couldn't keep Washington State off the bats the whole game, so it wasn't on the closer, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They, they were destined to win that game from early on, um, the way I looked at it. Every time we seemed to take a lead, they came around and, and had the answer. Um, so that was that was a tough one. Um, yesterday, a one-run game—you're going to lose some of those. It's just going to happen. Um, Two things, I, I I do kind of agree with Dave. You hate you hate not sweeping suit like that against teams you feel like you should. But uh, in, in the overall, I am a lot more uh, confident that we made the right decision with Mitch Cannon than than maybe at first when you go <laughs> first year coach and he's a young guy and not sure that he was the right pick to follow up Pat Casey. And now I'm I'm very comfortable with where we're at. And the coaching staff and where it's going with, with this being more his
2: team than Pat's teams. Dave, um, great to hear from the, you, sir. We're, thanks for the call and the uh, the information for, for John and all of us. Good to hear from you, Dave. We'll have some more open phone opportunities next hour after a conversation with Kevin Gregg at twelve oh five, whose son Max through a perfect game last week for Kevin's alma mater, yeah. Corvallis High School. A lot of that father-son good stuff going on. And we'll talk to Kevin it's about a great being cat. a dad, great former major leaguer, uh, born, reared in Corvallis, recruited to play football. We kind of want to revisit that story coming out of high school. And then later, when it looked like maybe his baseball career was winding down, toiling in the minor leagues for years, Dennis Erickson reached out to
7: that's to amazing kevin. To me. we've
2: talked to him about it once we're going to do it again today because it's been years since we've talked to kevin about that storyline that is a great storyline tim from corvallis on the university Hunter techs line bravo to the women's basketball team love seeing Yellen's emergence and kennedy's as well Two, as I watch March Madness, I just wish the Beavs men's teams had crowds last year. I thought the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Those wins were sterling, exhilarating, exciting. You saw the Tinkle family in the stands cheering and not much else. No,
3: an empty, empty yeah. arena is yeah. where yeah. you were. That that must have been weird. It was strange.
2: I know it might be blasphemous to say he writes this, Tim, but they deserved it. Three, dating back to the Irvine series, three straight or four, if you count Grand Canyon, one in the opener and not closing it out. And then four, the music background, while the Beaver baseball highlights are being played back, Learfield needs either to toss it or turn it down. That was tried. not by, I didn't ask him to, hey, put some music under this, Tim, just to let you know. I didn't ask. Uh, somebody was having some fun with it. Those folks want to be creative, too. And they put a music band underneath highlights after the Saturday
3: <laughs> It wasn't away. music played on the PA that's connected to. No, your-
2: no, it was done by Learfield
3: mm-hmm. in producing the the montage of highlights at the end. Well, they can do you can do that if you have a good mix, but clearly the mix wasn't any good.
2: Somebody else says, "Tell uh, Mike that Roger Rogers glad to eat his words." Thank you, Roger, about the Beaver pitching staff. Two runs in the first twenty six innings uh, against uh, that ASU team. Thank you for that, Roger. I like our team offensively a lot, writes a texture. Our pitching's okay. Our first two opponents, I believe, are going to be in the bottom half of the league. ASU's bad on offense. We're the only team that have been beaten by Wazoo or ASU. True, and that, that was ASU's first conference series, and they got a win on Sunday. He says, I'm more of a small ball guy. We do need to bunt a lot better. It's important. The Beavers do practice it. They believe in it. They practice bunting a lot. They had uh, Kyle Dernetti, a couple of different times in bunt situations, and Kyle's a good bunter. I saw him bunt last year effectively, and for whatever, Yeah, it's tough. Bunting is not as easy as it may look, but I do think the premium of being able to move runners in those situations, uh, it's high, and they'll address it. I'm sure getting ready for the next uh, game Wednesday against Seattle University and then Cal this weekend in Berkeley. I
3: want to address Amy's because it was Amy who had the questions about it. Amy, if you could somehow text um, me what your handle is or your husband's so I can look and see if it's on the list, click on it and see if I can get into it, and then we can further uh, sleuth what may have been the problem.
2: Amy, thank you for the input, uh, and and feel free to share some
3: details with John a little bit more about what, what it is your issues are, I guess. Just no. give me your name on that list. Yeah. My name is, well, it's my name, actually. But Fly Guy is number one. You know who that is? No. Doug Blair. Doug Blair's number one. In the Doug and one other person tied the for first. The Kellenberger Appliance yeah. Bieber Bracket Challenge? Yeah. Good for
2: you, Dougie. I'm six behind, and my daughter's ahead of me. Can you make <clears> up <throat> that? How many teams do yes, you have can. left? you still got a few. I think I do. Okay, is Arizona, Jim Wilson texted me and said, Arizona can't win it because they can't shoot well enough. Arizona can't win it because they can't with you. Well, uh, 71 angels yeah. uh, better than yeah. 67 yeah. angels yeah. better than the 71. Kevin Gregg, former angel, next. All
8: set, please. Here's the microphone.
5: Is this thing on?
10: This is KEJO Corvallis.
11: Everybody hear me? We're
1: on in 5. And QID
11: 1240, Joe Radio.
10: I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. Stocks are in the red today. The Dow Jones Industrials down 275 points currently. The S&P 500 lower by just 14. The Nasdaq composite has dropped 107. Russia's central bank has cautiously restarted bond trading on the Moscow Exchange for the first time since the country invaded Ukraine. The bank has purchased bonds to support prices. Russia has imposed severe restrictions on financial transactions to combat the fallout from Western sanctions, which have driven the ruble to all-time lows right now worth less than 1 American cent per ruble. US oil prices soared today, April crude leaping more than 7% to settle above $112 a barrel. It's shaping up to be a big summer concert season and this morning hip-hop and pop-punk artist Machine Gun Kelly announced a 52-date world tour. The North American portion of that tour opens June 8th in Austin, Texas and wraps up in August, August 13th in MGK's hometown of Cleveland. Ohio. Tickets on sale Friday. That's your money now. That dinner was delicious. What's next? Uh, I'm thinking just the check. Do you frequently have gas, bloating, diarrhea, stomach pain, or loose oily stools after eating? One or more of these symptoms could be a sign of exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI. And it may be time to talk to your doctor.
1: If you have EPI, Creon may be right for you. Creon, pancrelipase, is an oral prescription medication that treats EPI. Creon replaces enzymes you may be missing to help you break down food properly.
10: Creon may increase your chance of fibrosin colonopathy, a rare bowel disorder. Do not chew capsules or contents as this may cause mouth irritation. Tell your doctor if you have unusual or severe stomach pain, bloating, trouble passing stool, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, worsening of painful, swollen, Joints or allergic reactions. Other side effects may include changes in blood sugars, gas, dizziness, or sore throat and cough. These are not all the side effects of Creon.
1: Talk to your doctor about Creon, the number one prescribed EPI treatment, and visit gocreon.com. That's g-o-c-r-e-o-n.com, or call one eight hundred. Attention, Mid Valley golfers and current Spring Hill golf members. Now is the time to take advantage of thirty thousand dollars in incentives offered to the first thirty new member signups by March thirtieth. Current Spring Hill members who sign up, any new member by March 30th will share a $1,000 statement credit. If you're not a current member and no one, get them to sign you up and share the $1,000 statement credit. $500 shared credits offered for over 25-mile memberships. Only 30 are available, so don't wait. Call Spring Hill Golf Club for more information or visit albany-golf.com.
5: Every Qdoba Catering order is a fresh-made Mexican feast of hand-smashed, flame-grilled, sliced, diced, and sautéed flavors perfect for any occasion. Whether you're planning your office's tortilla Tuesday, hosting a post-game party for your intramural dodgeball team, or trying to bring in a dinner for your PTA meeting that's so good, it'll bump your kid up to an A-minus in Spanish class. Qdoba Catering. Fresh, hot, easy, delicious. Order today.
0: Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, with another Golf Minute to help put the brakes on slicing. There are numerous causes for why golfers slice, but one of the most common is having an outside-to-end swing path. Here's a quick drill to give you instant feedback to help cure that pesky slice. Place a 2x4 piece of wood on its narrow edge. Take your 5-iron and tee up a ball near the front third of the board and about a clubhead's width away from the board. Using the board as a visual obstacle, the board should force your club to approach the ball from the inside. If your club hits the board, ouch, you're still swinging from out to in and chopping down on the ball. Re-tee another ball until you are able to hit the ball and not the wood. If you can start consistently doing this, you're well on your way to ending that slice. So remember, cure your over-the-top chop by using a piece of wood and say so long to your slice. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. And oh, watch out for those flying splinters just in case.
1: Nerds! Dreaming of a change of pace? Let NerdWallet help you compare your way from here to there. Compare investing accounts to expand your portfolio and your horizons. Then, use NerdWallet to compare mortgage rates for a home with peace and quiet built in. Huh. Compare your way there. Find the smartest financial products for you on NerdWallet. NerdWallet Compare, Inc., NMLS 1617539. NerdWallet is not an investment advisor nor an investment broker. Information is for educational purposes only.
10: Nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. I'm a speed bump. Did you hear what I said? I'm a speed bump. And if you have cut-rate car insurance, the cost to reattach your muffler could really be a bump in the road. So switch to Allstate, save money, and be better protected from mayhem, like me. Based on coverage and limits selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. In most states, prices vary based on how you buy. Allstate Bar & Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome
0: back. Welcome back. Welcome Welcome back back to another day in the life of the Joe Beaver Show with Mike Parker, whose name brings instant recognition. It's a Mr. Parker who mr parker who 30
6: 25 20 kid. i'm pretty busy right now mr parker yes mm-hmm. no 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 mr parker now just just calm yourself
0: goodbye i'm excitable. Yeah. mr parker is not alone of course
10: hey which way did the other fella go uh the other fella was yeah. the other fella. you wait right here i'll go get warren
0: uh john warren the most humble man in sports.
4: Oh, yes, yes, yes. I helped write the
6: game. Yeah. Oh, toward the world, giving lessons and also
0: lecturing. <laughs> this is good. This is real good. I'm, I'm really proud of our team. And the Joe Beaver Show always seeks fellowship. Is there a doctor on the stands? Why, yes, I'm a doctor. How do you like the game, doc? So here living the doc life are Mike Parker and John Warren with the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Well, I have an answer. No, the answer is no. <laughs> well,
3: you know we play no, this game often. Oh um, yeah, where if we have a, a guest on, or if we are talking with someone who has a name that we know in sports, I would say forty forty percent of the time we ask, it's a hit that they say yes. That's a great. That's yeah, a cousin that's or, it. or a nephew. Yeah. Or, yeah. So this uh, Ben Gregg who plays for Gonzaga, he's on the. I think he's on the bench. I don't know. Um, no relation. No to relation our
2: to our guest today. And a special guest he is, and I look forward to talking to Roxy Bernstein this weekend. Roxy, who's been a frequent guest of ours through the years, and Kevin became very good friends when Kevin Gregg was pitching for Florida and Roxy was one of the voices of the Marlins in 07 and 08, so they go back a long ways. I'll see Roxy this weekend when the Beavers travel to Berkeley for their series against the Golden Bears. Roxy will have the games on the Pac-12 networks. Through the years... We haven't talked to this our next guest enough because he's a, a local guy out of Corvallis High School who pitched 13 years in the major leagues. I mean, we just we should have talked to this man more often yeah. than we have. So Kevin Gregg, our guest. Kevin, we apologize. We Anytime we've asked, you've said yes. It's been a long time. Your son throws a perfect game, and that kind of led us to, uh, hey, let's get back in touch with Kevin Gregg. Thanks for making time for us today, Kevin. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on the show. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Let's start before we even get to Max and the Perfecto and your your love and pride as a dad overseeing that. A little bit on Roxy since I mentioned him first. He's one of those guys that we've crossed paths with often through the years. He's been a guest on the show. I see him all around Pac-12 venues, an outstanding broadcaster. How is it that you, got, you two guys bonded so quickly and became friends when you were with the Marlins in 07 and 08?
12: You know, it just you know, organically grew for us. We were able to, you know, communicate a lot and you know, I was open to having lots of good conversation with them and obviously as you know it you know, was able to create good conversation and, and really engage in, in some good dialogue, me and him over a few years and, and just it just kinda grew and just being available to help him out and what he was doing and mm-hmm. and just became friends and, and it's taken many years to have passed and we still still stay in contact, talking to each other, and having a good
2: time. Yeah, that's great. And the last time we had Roxy on, we were I said, hey, did you see the Max through a perfect game? He said, it had been a while. I hope he's reached out to congratulate you. But let's jump into that, Kevin, and then get back to some of the, the storylines of your outstanding career coming out of Corvallis High School. Your son throws a perfect game last week. How did you sort of watch that, take it in? How nervous did you get? You had thrown a no-hitter when you were pitching for CHS against – North Eugene, from what I understand. So what was it like for you as a dad to see that game?
12: It, it was very exciting. You know, Max has, has worked extremely hard on a, on a lot of different aspects of the game, you know, strength training and then just knowledge of the game and, and really getting into his own his, his delivery, the mechanics of delivery and all that stuff. Um, you know, young kid that has grown a ton. I mean, he's 6'5 now and just kind of coming into his body and seeing all that stuff kind of play out through the offseason was awesome. And and to go out for his first game and, and just kind of, we're testing the waters, you know, what's it, what's it going to be like with the opponent in there with a different colored uniform on. And he just settled into a groove early on and real confident in his stuff. And he was able to, you know, locate fastballs in and out, uh, you know, he was going up and down when he needed to throw and break the ball for a strike uh, on command, um, just everything you want out of a pitcher. Um, and then. Couple good defensive plays behind him, and all of a sudden, five innings went pretty fast. With uh, only throwing fifty-seven pitches, and uh, our team was able to pull away with a ten-nothing victory. So,
2: yeah, that's great, Kevin Gregg, our guest. Kevin, you—you know—just hearing you talk about it and breaking it down. I wonder, as a dad, I assume uh, working with him pretty closely, <laughs> playing a lot of catch with him when he's little, and, and working with him as much as you could. But how is there a balance between? you know, being a real hands-on kind of dad who pitched in the major leagues, you know what you're talking about, but also letting him figure some things out too as he develops on his own.
12: Yeah, I mean, it's exactly that. I mean, sometimes you can cloud things up with a lot of information, and, and so it's just letting him kind of, you know, understand himself and, and get himself free uh, of, of being, you know, that stigma of my son. Like, he's got to stand on his own two, two feet and and know what he needs to work for and you know he has high goals in the, in the sport as well so it, you know he knows the work ethic that needs to come out and so it's all self-driven on his part to, to really do it I, I help facilitate anything he wants to do but really let him be the leading force of how much he wants to work on it or how much he wants to talk about it and you know, I mean, he lives and breathes this thing so it, it makes it pretty easy to have conversations but sometimes it is hard to have the dad hat and the coach's hat on at the same time and and just allowing him to, you know, come at it from, you know, for me to come at it from a dad perspective and then try to turn around and come at it from a coach's perspective. Sometimes it's a little tricky for us, but I think we're able to navigate that road pretty well.
3: Kevin, when you watch, are you a pacer? Do you you, you get real stressed out or are you calm about it?
12: No, I would say I'm pretty calm about it. You know, I understand what goes into it and, you know, as I, like, you know, being the coach of the high school team here, it, it really loved to to watch these kids really flourish in, in in their successes and all the work that they put in. So they really understand what they're doing out there and and really owning it. And they they feel like they're they're the ones accomplishing all these things. I'm just helping them kind of bring that stuff to the surface. So it's pretty fun.
2: Kevin Gregg, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. Kevin, when you think back to your own days developing in sport and, and being a three sports star at CHS and getting recruited to play high school uh, college football, which we'll get to in a moment, what kind of influences did you have in terms of developing craft and and learning how to become a pitcher? And did that continue then after you signed out of high school professionally? and kind of biding your time and working and working to, to make your breakthrough to the major leagues after nearly eight years in the minors.
12: Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't an easy road, and I don't think it's ever really an easy road for anybody. Um, doesn't matter the duration of it. The work that goes into to get to the big leagues and stay in the big leagues is the most important part. It is, it's not an easy task. You know, I, I was lucky growing up here in Corvallis. My... My head coach was Eric Daisy. You know, he, he's done a lot of amazing stuff in this, in the, the sport to, for baseball around here. And Dick McLean, also at the Legion level, uh, those two guys really helped me on on the baseball front and really kept pushing, helping me be pushed to that next level of going and and just helped me facilitate what I wanted to accomplish. I knew my goals were to be in the big leagues early on, and and they helped me just kind of keep keep being honest and, and, and keeping things real, the, Hey, you're going to need to work harder than that and be able to push yourself to, to get to that next level. So, you know, those guys and Gary Beck, who was our football coach, she had great conversations with him and he was, you know, obviously a, a well-renowned football coach at the high school level. And, and he just, you know, mentored me on, on just the personal side of it and how to navigate things as I went through football and baseball and, and things of life and, so just having those high school coaches and American Major coach and Dick McLean to really, really help hone me into what I wanted to accomplish and what I needed to accomplish.
3: All right. So you you've got all this talent in other sports and offers to go play football. How difficult was it to make that choice and let go of football? Now, it turned out great. But at yeah. that time, what was it like?
12: <laughs> it, yeah, it was different. I mean, it was, uh, you yeah, know, I enjoyed playing football. I just didn't have the passion for it like I did baseball. It, baseball was what I wanted to do from early on, you know, seven, eight years old. I kept saying, hey, I want to go play Major League Baseball. And everybody thought I was crazy. But when it came down to high school and I had a, you know, kind of was going down the path where I could either pick one way or the other. You know, it kind of came down to it. My older brother played football at the University of Oregon, and I kind of wanted to do something different, and my passion was on the baseball field. and You know, I I can't look back and say I just made the wrong choice. So (laughs) I'm pretty happy with the way way things played out for
2: me. Kevin Gregg, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. John asked the question that uh, came to mind, thinking about you getting offers to play quarterback in college at Michigan, South Carolina, and Florida. As the story goes, I want to round back to baseball in a moment, but wasn't there, Kevin, a a time as you were trying to ascend to the major leagues that the intersection of football in your life and right here at Oregon State when Coach Dennis Erickson (laughs) comes around and says, hey, you know, how's this baseball thing going? Did you consider Dennis at all in the Beavers? I've read that. Is it true?
12: It, it it was too. I was doing a workout in the Turek Center just trying to get some stuff done with actually Mike Fairman and, and some boys to you know, ex Oregon State guys, uh, getting our workouts and we had a football just messing around and I could still throw it and so he's you know, kinda of posed the question. It was pretty half heartedly but uh, you know, yeah. obviously I was a big tall kid who was athletic so
9: <laughs> I think,
12: you know, maybe if I would have jumped on it he would have ran with it more but I was uh, in a point where I wasn't giving up on baseball quite yet, and, and, but I was definitely, definitely at a point, uh, you know, a changing point in my career where I needed to, to really step up and do it on the baseball front or switch directions and maybe go back to football.
2: I want to get to that and how you, what happened then in baseball because there you are in 2002, you're throwing the football around, you would have had to beaten out Derek Anderson and that wouldn't have been an easy thing to do even with all your talent and coming to it back late. But you're still 24 years of age, and you've been toiling in the minors for a long time, Kevin. What happened then? How did you did you reinvent yourself? Did you add pitches? Did you keep getting stronger? Did somebody take you under their wing and give you something? What What enabled you then, after all of that, to pitch 13 years in the big leagues?
12: <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of a weird a weird deal. There, you know, I had a player in 2002, uh, with my last year with in the Oakland organization, and. Well, I mean I don't know your show's probably not long enough to get the whole story in I think. <laughs> we got um, plenty of time. Bro. Going through Oakland the, through the Moneyball era with the the change out of Sandy Allison to Billy Bean mm-hmm. um and the Moneyball, which we've all you read the book or sure. seen the movie, you know, so I lived it. I lived it on a daily basis watching those guys go through and the the changeover in organization and Eric Hill just was you know, pulled me aside and he said, You know, one team's trash is another team's gem you need to just keep being you and do your thing and somebody will like you. You got the, you got the stuff, you got the makeup. You just may not be in the right place at this time. And lo and behold, the next year, you know, I got a chance to get up to the big leagues and (laughs) the rest is history from there. So did I reinvent myself? No, not at all. I mean, I really Mm -hmm. just kept doing my thing and I actually with that conversation was able to just go, you know what? I trust myself. I trust my ability and quit trying to force on myself. Like I need to do more than what I really have capable of to impress somebody else. I need to stay within myself and really just trust that and know that that is going to be enough, you know, that I was throwing the ball well enough that it would it, it eventually play out for one of the 30 teams that are out there. And it wasn't going to show for the Oakland A's, but it, it could show for any of the 29 other teams out there. And lo and behold, it did.
2: Boy, indeed it did. Kevin Gregg, our guest, Corvallis baseball coach, 13-year major leaguer, CHS graduate, we'll close in a few moments with a kind of a final thought about Max and decisions that will certainly be facing him in the days ahead, as you saw and had in your own life years back, Kevin. But since you touched on Moneyball uh, and you said you lived it, maybe you can be a film critic, a book critic here for a moment. You're with, you lived the transition and the changeover. What did you make of it then? What do you make of it now? Was the film essentially accurate? I mean, what, what do you make of all that? You
12: know, it, it was. Uh, it told the story the way it needed to be told for the book and for the movie. Um, it didn't didn't catch in all of it. You know, it, there's a, the the dynamic of Billy Bean coming in and, and really needed to put his fingerprint on the organization and how he was running it you know, everybody has that right. And being a high school kid really didn't fit into what he believed. you know, going into stats and all that Mm -hmm. stuff that could handle the maturity of the big league life. Um, you know, I've talked to Billy after that point, after being in the, you know, in the big leagues and being in a rival, you know, Anaheim to Oakland, we played each other all the time. So you get to see each other on a pretty frequent basis and, is it you know kind of not, not that he missed on the, the opportunity but it just didn't fit what he was looking for at the time and to to get into the that part of it i mean it's so is the book and the movie accurate yeah they're accurate to an extent but it doesn't catch all levels of the the way things played out, but it, it was definitely entertaining for
2: sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Very entertaining. Brad Pitt <laughs> plays Billy Bean. Billy, I know good looking guy, but maybe not that good looking. Please, <laughs> please that they chose Brad Pitt for that. But the thing I wonder about Kevin and in, in now in, in your age as a coach I, and the age that I'm not saying Billy invented this, he did not the A's organization didn't, but he went heavy into some numbers and analytics and trying to hide hidden, hidden value. And what people say is that this whole, analytics approach is trying to find you know little bits of data and information in an edge that will give you some hidden value maybe that isn't just obvious on a on a, a one-page stats page is there something to that in that method what do you make of this lean that organizations have heavily on the analytics that we have in the modern era
12: you yeah, know I- <laughs> there is, a, you know, there is great benefit for the analytics part of it. I mean, there's a lot to be said to it. You can't solely rely on it because there are things that happen and guys are successful that that don't fit into that statistical scenario. And, and so there, there's if you go 100% one way or 100% just pure on field and look and what you see. You, you're going to miss on players on both ends because there's guys that are going to statistically show that they should be great, but they're not going to be great. And then there's guys that perform really good and they may not, you know, sustain that for a long period of time. So it kind of has to have its ebb and flow of the two things. Um, you know, it, which, which is the right way to do it. You know, I think, I think teams originally, you know, are pushing really far to that analytical side of it. And I don't know if that's all that beneficial because there are some good players that just find a way to get jobs done yeah. that need to be done on a baseball field and things that play into a great ball player or a great contributor to a club may not show up on a stat sheet that may not show up in that aspect. And, and that could end up hurting a club in in the long run. Um, so, I mean, everybody's got to weigh that stuff individually, and that's why those guys get the big bucks to
2: run the clubs and make those decisions. Right, and they do, certainly, Kevin. The last couple of things. <laughs> One is, when you said you didn't reinvent yourself, but you you did to get to the big leagues with the Angels in 06 and then became the closer with Roxy in Florida in 07 and 08 and become a very successful closer with the Cubs in Toronto and other did the closers roll, I mean, had you been sort of a, a starter guy, a, a long relief guy, who figured out? Did you figure out, and just go out and win a closer's job in some of these uh, major league clubs?
12: <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny. You know, I, I was able to accrue you know quite a few saves throughout my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, at no point was I ever just given the job as a closer. I really didn't start any year. You know, going into spring training being named, you're the closer, Mm -hmm. this is, you're going to be your role. It just, you know, Toronto, I went in and I was competing with Scott Downs and uh, Jason Frazier, you know, when I went to Baltimore, Jim Johnson, you know, there's, (laughs) and each spot that I went, you know, Carlos Marmel in Chicago, there was, you know, because Terry Wood had left and it was open, and so taking on that, when I went to Florida, there was other guys in the mix and they really brought me over just as a reliever, that had some experience in a bullpen that was a full of a bunch of rookies. And we had tried pretty much everybody else. And there were some other guys, uh, Matt Lindstrom and Henry Owens who had really good stuff, but no experience. And they were wanting to get looks and at those guys. And finally, I just, when I walked into Freddie Gonzalez's office and said, Hey, give me a shot. Let me close. Like I'll do it. Like, give me a shot to anchor this thing and, and really go from there. And, he had to think about it and we ended up having a few close games in a row that got blown. And so I, he, you know, stuck me in because I was a fresher arm than what we had out there and was able to convert a few saves in a row. And then ended up going to, you know, 30 saves in that first year uh, and not even having in a full season. So uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. And even the next year when I came into, in there, it wasn't, they're like, it's not years guaranteed. You got to work for it. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll work for it. Like, and rolled out another 29 saves in Florida that second year, and then got traded over to the Cubs. And Lupinella told me, hey, you're competing with Carlos Marmol. We had Terry Wood, who's an awesome, awesome guy. We just couldn't keep him around. But you and Marmol are going to compete for this job. I ended up winning the job you know, in the first week of the season, basically, and, and rolled with that to a number of saves. And then I went on to Toronto, <laughs> same yeah. thing. Cito Gaston said, hey, you're going you're gonna to compete with these other guys. You know, I was like, okay, I'm always open to the competition. Let's go. Let's do it. And so each year is just a competition to be won during spring training or early parts of the season and, and was able to do pretty well for myself.
2: That's a tremendous story in itself, always up to the challenge to compete and win the job in so many cases. Kevin with us for a few more minutes. Kevin Gregg, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show. I wanted to ask you about sweet Lou Pinellas, as he was called, the twenty. 20- you pitch for him with the Cubs in 9 I have read through the years when he was in Seattle, tremendous baseball man, clearly, but could be tough on pitchers and a pitching staff. Now, you're tough and competitive, so maybe that worked for you. But was there a, an aspect, Kevin, to pitching for Lou that was at a pretty high level in terms of it, the expectations, the challenge, uh, how mad he'd get if you walk somebody, you know, that type of thing?
12: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the... the- Lou was was tough on pitchers. I mean, but he was he had a high standard. He has a high standard of the way the game should be played and the way you should be accountable to yourself and your teammates. If you if you tried to circumvent that, he just he just didn't like it, and he had no tolerance for it. He would just <laughs> he would shut guys off real quick if if you made excuses or anything like that, and. And he liked it. I I just didn't have that. I didn't have time for that. I fought too long in the minor leagues to make excuses. If I had didn't have the good stuff, I said I didn't have a good stuff. I mean, there was a game where we were facing I was in Chicago and hadn't pitched in a few days and go in to face Houston and uh, end up giving up the first, you know, I think, four or five guys that I faced. I mean, hit the ball. I mean, just the snot out of the ball. I mean, they hit it so hard. I mean, it was loud, scary, almost take the third baseman's head off, almost got my own head taken off. And Lou comes, you know, strolling out there to, you know, kind of just give me a breather. And <laughs> I just told him, I said, Lou, you better get me off this now before I get one of your players hurt. This is not going good. <laughs> he just laughed and he goes, my thoughts exactly. He loved that. He yeah. loved it. He's like, Hey, this is not my day. Like I don't have it. I didn't make an excuse for it. It was just, and he liked that about guys that were, were stand up guys and, and we're really ready to fight fight and battle every single day. But if you made an excuse or, or you cried about something, he was not going to have it. <laughs> right. He
3: was not going to no, have we it. Could, we could do a whole show on Lou Piniella stories <laughs> or, or any of the other managers you played for over the course of your career. Last thing, uh, Kevin, do you bringing it kind of back here to home, do your players and or parents of your players know of your greatness or do you have to deal with second-guessing like all the rest of the commoners? <laughs>
8: <laughs> i i
12: haven't had to deal with any second guessing yet um i'm sure everybody uh everybody likes to be the the you know second guesser of the way things go i mean baseball is is one of those sports where there's a million different ways to do it and go about it and so you know i'm i'm always up for somebody wants to have a question you know i, I I tell my players all the time, if you've got a question why we're doing something, come ask me. I'll mm-hmm. tell you exactly why we're doing it because I want you to know why we're doing it so you can have some ownership to what you're trying to do out on a baseball field. Um, and, and I have the same for the parents in the program as well. If they have a question, come come talk to me. I'll, I'll talk, talk openly and honestly about it and, and fill them in on what I'm thinking and seeing. So,
2: Hey, Kevin, let's close with this where we started with Max and his perfect game. I don't know what, you know, I, I don't know much about where he is in terms of the process, it sounds like he's getting bigger, bigger, stronger, growing, developing his craft. As he faces decisions down the road that you hope indeed, and he hopes perhaps may be coming, you chose to sign out of high school. Uh, I don't know if you probably could have pitched collegiately somewhere, maybe even right here. The Oregon State program has grown into what it is, and you see collegiate baseball at a high level in the Pacific Northwest and around... Do you have, as a dad, any feel yet for what you might hope for Max if it comes to needing to make a decision about whether to start a pro career early or going the collegiate route?
12: Uh, you know, you know, obviously I know him well, being the, my kid. Um, he's lived the lifestyle, so he traveled around with me doing all kinds of cool stuff, you know, getting to hang mm-hmm. out in big league ballparks and knows and kind of a, my work ethic that it took to get things done. Um, he's got that maturity to handle that. He's got the maturity to, to be self-sufficient and, and get those things done. He doesn't need somebody telling him what to do all the time. He's, he's got a really high standard for himself so that being able to push the bar to the next level, I think he definitely is capable of and ready to, um, his continued growth and development, we'll see where if it's better off that he goes the collegiate route first and then goes, you know, to the pro route, or if he just skips right over the collegiate stuff and goes mm-hmm. pro, pro out of high school. But, you know, only time's going to tell. This year will be a big year for him, and it'll be fun to watch him uh,
2: develop as this year goes. And the rest of your club as well. I hope you're enjoying being a coach and getting through all the COVID stuff you've had to navigate as the head coach Probably fun to just have ball games again, right? And being able to coach and fans and coach games, right?
12: Oh yeah, it's so good to have the boys out there playing, doing their thing. You know, they they this whole COVID thing has been really tough on a lot of kids to to have their identity and to be able to really spread their wings. And, And baseball, you know, we've been able to put it into play as much as we can with the COVID restrictions. And it's just an outlet for kids to get out and be social and be active and and huge for them to, I think just mentally to be able to get out on a baseball field or any athletic field and be able to compete and socialize like a, like a normal high schooler. so to be able to help facilitate that for these guys. I love being a part of it, you know, and I'm pushing hard for them to have games all you know, through the spring, the summer, the fall, like whenever they can and or you know, want to, just making facilities available for them to just have that outlet because I think it's pretty good for their growth and development.
2: Kevin, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks for a generous amount of your yeah, time Kevin. today. It's been a long time, but let's stay in touch. Really appreciate the perspective and the stories and what you're doing at CHS. First, as a student and an athlete there, now as the head coach, that's a great story in itself. Thanks for taking time for us, Kevin. We appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Kevin. That's a good, really good, good. conversation with yeah. a lot of, like you said, we could say, okay, today's show, Kevin Gregg on, on Lou Panella.
3: Go. <laughs> I appreciate Lou even more for what just what he said. What right that there. story right there. Yeah, and my mean, thoughts
2: exactly. That's <laughs> Yeah. Lou walks strolling out.
3: Ain't quite your day. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Lasorda. And the, who's the guy? I don't Doug know. Rowell. Doug well, Rowell. that's also a good story, though, too. I, I, mean, I feel good, Tommy.
2: I don't.
1: I don't give a <laughs> rip about you mean, feeling good.
3: It had to have been set up because. <laughs> no, it wasn't well, set up. But here's up. the thing: Why did Tommy? Why did they stand out there and do that for ten minutes?
2: Well, it's a good Davey Lopes say, go, point. That's Bobby point. David
3: Lopes' point,
2: too, because he was buying time to get the. He couldn't just say, "Let's go." They needed more time for oh, the guy right, in the okay. bullpen. Yeah, that's right. Because Let's he go. even says. He's mic'd up. He forgot he had the live mic on yeah. or whatever for some feature Major League Baseball was going to be doing on him. So he says to Red Adams, I'm going to go out and buy some time out there. And you kind of <laughs> let me know. I'll look. And when you get on the phone, let me know when who's ever ready to, to replace Raul. Then let me know. And then I'll I'll take him out. So he goes out ostensibly to, you know, to buy time. I mean, he goes
3: out to buy time. Yeah, yeah. Which but they all so, do. But
2: in the buying of time, that's what made that such a rich conversation.
3: And now, is that Lopes. real? was that all real? Oh
2: it's all real. That's not stage. That's better than that's a better mound conversation than what you see in Bull Durham when Robert Wall comes out and says, "Well, candlesticks always make a good gift, and you can get a live <laughs> chicken over here at some so <laughs> whatever. that's a funny scene. This one's funnier. It's better if you've ever heard that the unexpurgated version is yeah, the best, yeah, yeah, with every adjective, everything <laughs> in there, everything. No deletions. There is an underground tape that's
3: made the rounds through the years. But he must have told Rao, stay here, because Rao doesn't, he's not going to relinquish the mouth.
2: Well, Rao just, I feel good, Tommy, as Tommy's approaching him. I feel good, Tommy. <laughs> and that's it. That sets Tommy off. You feel good. I don't care. Uh, you feel good? There's there three so-and-so home, there's three hits on the board. We are, And the number of adjectives deleted in that little session and Rao arguing with Tommy, and Tommy yelling, "Well, you just gave up two hits, to two left hand. That guy, last guy that got a hit, he uh, he was a left hander, wasn't he? He's not not even hundred percent sure." And on and on it goes, and Rao's arguing with, and and, and, you, and he gets Tommy's ire even up to the point that Davey Lopes comes running in from second, "Hey, hey, hey, knock it off! What's going on? And this is a World Series game, and it's all out there. It's, it's good so stuff. Good.
3: It is so good. Let's break it. <laughs> We'll
2: break. Thanks uh, to Kevin Gregg for joining us. 497-5356, 1240 Joe Radio.
0: For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277.
11: Call the Glassman. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. If you need your windshield repaired or replaced, you don't need to call that 800 number. Give me a call.
0: For auto glass solutions, better call the glassman. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glassman.
8: Kraken Cards combines the worlds of sports cards and games to bring a fresh take on your local game store. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, and more. If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. OSU fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box just for you. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. KrakenSportsCards.com, your connection to everything fun. Need an extra bed
6: for the family? Expecting out-of-town guests this summer? Not sure where they're going to sleep? You could add a new bedroom onto the house. Or an easier and less expensive solution would be to buy a futon from Futon Man in Corvallis. Futon Man has quality constructed solid hardwood frames in lots of styles and finishes. Their mattresses are highly resilient, have a long-lasting foam core, and are made right in the store. There's lots of decorative cover choices, too. Stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99, or online at futon-man.com.
7: If you've been putting off that home remodeling project but have finally decided to take a leap and get it done, Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, laminate, tile, wood and vinyl flooring and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to corvallisfloorcovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go beeves!
5: If you feel you're overpaying on your taxes and you're not as profitable as you should be, you're not alone. At Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, they can help because that's what they do. They work with individuals and business owners to lower your taxes, increase your profit, and manage your cash flow. They provide bookkeeping and payroll services too. Give them a call at 541-753-4185. That's 753-4185. And get in the game. Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team. And go. No beeves.
1: Looking for an appliance? Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen, refrigerators, freezers, dishwashers, cooking appliances, washers, and dryers. If it is an appliance or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance. We offer install and delivery on the product we sell. We even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street in Lebanon. Kellenberger Appliance, the best place to buy appliances. On the web at Kellenburgers.com.
2: Okay. Now here's another thing too that yeah. came yeah. up. Yeah, and that I'm glad the texter CVB on the University Honda text line I about yesterday's game. By the way, really enjoyed the conversation with Kevin. Yeah, that was. We need to be good. He might disagree. Well, that's enough. You had me for 30 minutes, and <laughs> won't know. be doing that for another few years. Yeah, I like him. I like him a lot. I should know him better. And Roxy. I know. And he being good friends. And Roxy would even say from time to time over the years, if you had Kevin Gregg on, and I would say, well, here and
3: there. Yeah. But yeah. we needed
2: to apply that more often. I,
3: I do, So that would have meant that, you know, while we were doing this show, he was in high school. Or no, he was starting to starting climb to up in the minor leagues. Of the he started in that's 96. When, that's when Dennis called him. In 02. When, when we first started the show. Yeah. Dennis says, hey, yeah,
2: maybe you should come out. But, I, you know. At 24 years of age, at that point, Kevin knows he's not going to, he may throw a good football at 6'6", big strong arm guy, a la Derek Anderson, but he's not going to come in and beat out Derek Anderson for the job after being away from the game that long. And he'd already put so much in for baseball. Six, he ended up pitching in the minor leagues for parts of eight years and then rises Keeps, I asked, did you reinvent? No, I didn't reinvent myself. I got into a better organization for him. Yeah. And sometimes the opportunity within certain organizations, thats I think that hurt Pat Casey a little bit. Pat Casey is a major league baseball player. I, I believe he could or should have played in the big leagues. He got into a numbers game in uh, the Seattle Mariners organization, and just it was difficult. The people who was behind at different positions, had he been in a little different type of situation, probably would have made it to the major
3: league. But depending on where there's a need. Yeah. Exactly. If you're with the wrong club that doesn't have a need for you, but they want to keep you around. I mean he was out hitting
2: Edgar Martinez for a long time, was Pat Casey in the minors as they came up. Yeah. And, <laughs> and they were trying to find a position for Edgar, and eventually he found one called Designated Hitter. Yeah. But which now everybody can yeah, have. Any yeah, that's true. That's a whole different world. Here is here's a question. And I posed it on the air, and I haven't talked to Ryan or Mitch. After the Beavers fell behind 2-1 to one on the bases loaded walk. I was going to ask you about that. The this. next batter, foul ball down the right field line. Justin Boyd disappeared out of my view. But he caught it. Mm-hmm. He chose to catch it. Yes.
3: And the runner tags and scores. Now it's 3-1. to one. And you talked about, well, you give up the run or the you, you get the out. Yeah, for the run. and I don't know
2: baseball Baseball people, those of you that are. I could have asked Kevin. I could have asked just about anybody. CVB says, uh, why? He says, do you know if anyone was yelling, don't catch it, don't catch it. I know it doesn't necessarily follow that the same sequence would have occurred, but the next pitch would have been a double play ball to end the inning. Also, if you're going to replace the base is full, why wouldn't you do it with a batter sooner so the new pitcher can find the strike zone and possibly walk a guy without forcing in a run? That's These are good, fair, apposite questions to be asked. CV, well,
3: the uh, the CVB. first part, though, you can't but make what a decision about based on the results of what well, happened behind I, it.
2: I think in certain cases you can. In certain cases you can. If it's the winning run, you don't catch it. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yes, now you're down 2-1. Yes. to one. They, You make the catch... You want to be. You don't want another run to score, but if you don't catch it, the guy then may drive one to the alley and knock in two or three more runs. So that's you, I you thought, don't know. Do you get the out automatically?
3: Is it automatic? I th- the thing. I thought you called it well. I thought you called it perfectly in that you took the onus off the kid, saying that's a tough one. You don't mm-hmm. know, and how are they supposed to know and think about it right there in the moment? To, on, on to me, that's, to
2: it's almost a, a baseball analog of Victor Bolden Jr. Running into the clear and free. And had he... is somebody yelling, get down, get down, fall down at the one? Because if he did, the Beavers probably won that game, and Mariota has no time at the back end, and the Beavers the modern, win
3: the Civil War 2013 in Eugene. In the modern era, which is now versus then... However many years ago that was, probably because it's come up enough. It has. People discussion. will avoid scoring yeah. to run more clock. Yeah. But then it was on the tail end of well no mm-hmm. this is what you're supposed to do. And you're behind at that point and there's
2: not as the the texture just said there's no guarantee that you're that the score. guy ends up on the next base is going to hit a ground ball that could have been a double play to end the inning or whatever. Right. Okay. Okay. But Justin Boyd racing over, he had no chance. I give Justin credit. What he was hoping for was that the runner at first, Tobias, would try to tag and go to second, and that they would get a double play ball out of it, nullifying the tagger at third scoring that third run. That was in Justin's mind. I, but the question is, you know, do you let that ball drop only down a run with the hope that you're going to get him out, or get a double play ball and be down only a run when you go to the bottom of the ninth inning. Or is it just automatic? That's something I'm going to talk to Mitch about come Wednesday. What do you have a rule? Is it a, a hard fast rule when yeah, you can get an out, book? you get an out. I guess what I'm saying is you would not in a walk-off situation in a one, in a bottom of the ninth inning type game, game's mm-hmm. going to end here. You would not catch that ball in that scenario. You just wouldn't. You no. wouldn't give them a chance to get
3: the game-winning sack five just no. because you caught it in deep right field no. or in foul territory. You, you, you hope for you, yeah. you let it go. You hope for strikeouts. Yes, and other ways of getting the game over with. Right now, in this case, I, I don't know the answer to that. Mm, that and then and you got to make that decision. You and do. Without having and your boy running
2: it. over, it, it, whether it's discussed or not, I don't know. But now it's one of those things that happens in a game. The game of baseball, as I think Kevin Gregg himself said, there's a million ways to go about all this stuff. That's what we're talking about here today. Leave another pitcher in for another pitch. Bring the guy in and let him work his control issues out. Maybe he walks a guy, but now he feels better, has more rhythm, and doesn't walk the first guy that he faces with the bases loaded. I mean, these are what makes baseball such a difficult game to play, to coach, to manage, to make decisions on, because every pitch has a decision, as you've said Eloquently many, I mean, each pitch leads to the next choice and the next choice and the sequential building up of things in the game of baseball is it's, it's a hard thing to coach and manage and follow. It's a beautiful game, but it's, there's no easy answers on this. So I'm not, I don't know if Boyd should catch that ball or not. My gut level is yes, he should, because it's not the winning run in the bottom of the ninth, and you get an out because the guy might, may rake one to the alley and clear the bases. And now you really are out of the game instead of getting a second out in the inning.
3: (laughs) I remember in in Little League, that's one of the reasons why I didn't really like the game because I didn't know where I was supposed to go with it, even though, yeah, everybody's telling you, go to second, go to second. Okay, fine. I remember one time being on um, first and they said, Go, go. I started running towards second and like, no, no, turn around and go back. I'm like, why? (laughs) And then in that world, it's all about how cool you are and just getting ripped by your, you know, friends or your frenemies. And (laughs) then I grew up and realized that what I I didn't do anything wrong. That happens all the time. You still second and there's still a guy there. He didn't go to third like he was supposed to. And that's what happened to me. The guy on second, our runner, was still there. And they no, go back. (laughs) But it was my frenemy who was you know, telling me, go back, and that frustrated me because it, it was like, I, in the end, I wasn't wrong. But back then, they all said I was wrong. Oh, sure. And that's what's frustrating. Sure. You learn later, wait a second, I well, did that right. In the big, leagues, the big leagues, the Brooklyn
2: Dodgers once had three guys at the same base. So, you know, that, that does happen. The, the bums, the beloved bums of Brooklyn, I'd have to look up the story to get chapter <laughs> and verse. But it does happen.
3: Down. to uh to uh yeah. his lou lou story mm-hmm. my own is and i've sold it a million times mr c let every kid pitch one time i walk the order like one and a <laughs> half times uh john i'll never forget you can see things in your mind's eye sure john uh, why don't you take left field <laughs> he, and he did it nicely. Let you let you down I gently. Said, okay,
2: <laughs> Kevin Gregg. One of the things that I think we asked him once about years ago, but it bears repeating because you could hear how Lou and he would jive because of their toughness and competitiveness and feistiness, backing down to no one. Yeah. Kevin, every year. Well, you're not the closer. Well, okay, I'll go win the job again, and he did year after year with different organizations. There would be competition at the start of the year, and he would emerge. As a closer in tough situations, I would like to ask Kevin sometime again if he would indulge us. And Dave, I don't know if Dave's a consummate Orioles fan. He's already called, but if you want to text or call back, even Dave, if you remember this incident, rather infamous, but but I like it from Kevin's perspective. July eighth, twenty eleven, pitching for the Baltimore Orioles against Big Poppy and the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox were World Series champions that year. They had a great club, and they jumped. The Orioles were way up late in the game, and Kevin's in the game late and buzzes Big Poppy with three fastballs up around the chin. And Poppy's already a little bit upset, Dave, David Ortiz. Kevin throws a 3 0 pitch down the middle, and Ortiz swings at it, pops it up into shallow center, and is just kind of jogging down to first. And Greg comes off the mound yelling at Poppy, run it out! Run it out! <laughs> Poppy takes exception to that and charges the mound, and a big melee and brawl ensues, and they're both suspended for four games. And after the game, Kevin, quote... The Red Sox is so arrogant. They think they're better than everybody else. There's a right way to play the game, and I was just trying to help Poppy play the game the
3: right way. That's a great that's, story. That's
2: a wonderful story in its own right, I and that's the type that. of guy you want on your team. Absolutely. I love that. So we'll try that the next time around with Kevin to see what he yeah. remembers yeah. about it, but he got a four-game suspension for his set two with the Hall of Famer, <laughs> David I Ortiz. I wonder if Big Poppy thought
3: of that. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> and question. And years later... <laughs>
2: Let's go to Mike in Seattle on the Downward Dog phone line. Hello, Mike.
11: Hi, guys. How are you? Thank you for uh, thanks for being on and taking my call. I just got out of jury duty. Ah, oh, fine. County, Tacoma, Washington. God <coughs> help America. He's guilty. Whatever.
2: <laughs> now, when you huh? say "got out of it," meaning you were on a jury and the session just ended, I... or you got out of having to serve?
11: <laughs> what What are you saying? No, no, I had. Oh, I got to go. I didn't. Have okay, go. gotcha. I, got I appreciate go. that. I, I didn't found, know
2: where you were angling and, there. And, <laughs>
11: yeah, and then I was uh, I was one of the forty five who got taken to the superior courtroom, and I was I was number thirty seven, and um, I sat back there meek and mildly, and after two hours of the voir dire, I I don't know how to say what it's called. It's that thing they do, you know, when they talk to the potential mm-hmm. jurors and yeah. I was not selected, you know, by about 1 o'clock or by about 12 o'clock. Then you go back to the jury assembly room, they call it, and they said, go home and call call back tonight after 5. Okay. And, uh, so anyway, I don't know if you guys have gone through jury duty. But yes, an twice.
2: And I've been so through it twice. I was
11: watching the stream yesterday with your commentary of that catch in right field. Yeah. And I had the same thought when that ball started going down the right field line. And you're saying it's looking like it's going to go foul. It brought back memories. I think that's the kind of thing where, where the defensive coaching staff have to anticipate there's going to be a fly ball, either left or right, um, past first base or third base. And they've got to give instructions to that outfielder because it's too instinctively to go catch it, you know? And, um, so I think that's the thing you got to put in the new unwritten rules of baseball. You got to add that as number 95 or whatever it would be on that list that the defensive coaches or the other outfielders have got to talk to them. guys and say if it's a foul ball deep, uh, don't catch it, you know, and it's a, and then uh, and, and and then hope on the next pitch, you know, they don't line it in the center and score too. But, but the other question is, so if If he had thrown it to second base and caught that runner tagging, and the guy on third who tagged and came across home plate before the tag at second base, I believe the run counts. The run
2: would count because it's not a force play. Yes, the run would count. But he would have to get the tag down, and the whole question is did the guy from third cross the plate before the tag was applied at second?
11: Yeah, and those umpires as – if you notice the pre pitch kind of, kind of hand signals they give to each other, they realize if there's a potential timing play and they'll give a little, uh, you know, they'll tap their watch or do something. And then the home plate umpire then, then gets lined up so he can kind of see through the plate and the runner crossing in second base. And that's his call. I do believe, mm-hmm. but yeah. I've seen a play um, and it actually costs us a playoff berth in high school where the guy kind of lollygagged as he came into home plate because he knew it would be an easy thing. He kind of lollygagged, and then the tag was made at second base, you know, yeah, kind of before he got to home plate, and so the run did not count, right. ended up losing the game, and uh, in the long run, uh, our team did not make the playoffs. Yep. So as they are telling players to always hustle, always run it out. You know, you never know what might happen, and these players sometimes get, get a little... Uh, get A little nonchalant about right. it, and um, and it could always cost them. So I thought that was a good call you had. Also on the stream, it was interesting uh, as we would go to commercial on the stream. I think we could hear your conversation on the on the uh, right uh, right on the speaker in background. So be careful of that. Also, there was advertisements on the Pac-12 live stream or however that got put together. For a governorship like in Virginia. So I don't know if there was nobody else who wanted to buy commercials or if that was a mistake, but I got really done on who the candidate is back in Virginia. And he well, is very soft on crime. So that's why there's somebody who's running against him. I
2: got so, you. Okay, yeah, it's
11: good to know. Thanks I got to go lot. back to court tomorrow morning, so I okay. got wish me well. Thanks
2: for the call. That's hey, funny, the other thing too, Mike crime. in Seattle, <laughs> this is on a serious matter. And by the way, yes, I, I've been told, Hank gave me the heads up, and it feels as though the mics are always hot you should always assume a hot mic i don't always live that way i mean yeah. it, there are times when you feel like you got a inning over or whatever show over you let your hair down a little bit you may yeah. not go low sort to of ask but you're a little maybe a little looser and just a little you know you yeah. casual nonchalant throwaway glib observations here and there that you wouldn't say on the air and you you need to have i think a place where that's safe and I realize Goss Stadium, the McGrath family press box at Goss Stadium at Coleman Field is what uh, Mike in Seattle saying ain't necessarily that safe spot. <laughs> so be ready and know that you're, you're kind of you're always on. I do have conversations with the board op about, well, did you get that strike out? I'd like that right. double play into the highlight package right. or whatever you gotta else. you got to have those and, conversations. Yeah, and then, hey, Hank, did they uh, – you, uh, you there's different convers. Fans will come up sometimes, and we talk through the window during the 60-second mm-hmm. break. Mm-hmm. Some of that stuff's heard over the, the stream, I assume. Generally speaking, though, I don't think I'm going down too many roads that uh, – A, because I don't – generally, that I wouldn't you – know, the people that are really – <laughs> walking a very fine line by right up to the last second uttering things they probably oh, shouldn't yes, be uttered and then the yes. mic comes on but if that mic came on a little bit earlier you got a face in the crowd or you've got oh man there was a famous story uncle don some sort of radio show soupy sales or something there have been some shows it might have been uncle don or somebody years ago on the radio maybe you can give me a chapter and verse quickly robert hirsch or whoever else uh, who knows uh,
3: He said some things that he thought was uh, a hot mic caught him, and he was done. Yep, I could tell you a number of stories. Hot mics catching or very close to it. Yeah, and you don't, so, but anyway, the only thing yesterday, I think, I don't know if anyone heard, but after the
2: Willie Bloomquist thing, during that half inning break, I had to get up and walk down. I didn't have to. It's just sort of. You know, we were talking about this off the air. Sometimes when we're sitting in rooms at the Jack and Jenny Wilborn Media Room or elsewhere, and nobody's talking to anybody about yeah. anything, yeah, it's not as though I'm bothered by it. I guess I am a little bothered by it. <laughs> I'll walk into a room and there's twelve people sitting and no one talking, and I'll walk in to see you and we yeah. and I will just make the the observation: Wow, well, a really garrulous bunch in here today, <laughs> with nobody talking Did and there's twelve yesterday? people sitting there. No. But at the end of the Willie Bloomquist weird argument yeah. where he stopped short a la Archibald Moonlight Graham and won't cross the line lest he <laughs> become an old man with a doctor's bag in his hand or something. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> he stopped short of the line and didn't cross and waited for the umpire to come down to him. Then argues this judgment call at first, say, for out for a long, long time. I thought he, he may be asking the plate umpire to the guy, did you see him pull his foot? I mean, I... The guy called him out. So yeah. either you go hard to the umpires. I saw Pat Casey do with Chris Biles, UCLA 2001, and get run, get his money's worth, but he'd been run the day before, so he didn't want to get run again. I get that. But it was just one of the oddest argument styles I'd ever seen. So the half inning comes to an end after the drunetti play and the Beavers get out of it. Headset down at the end on the Beaver Sports Network from Learfield. And I dropped the... Headset. I get, has anybody ever seen any an argument like that before? I'm saying down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that's what Mike in Seattle is saying. Be careful on that stream right, because right. I walked away from the mic a little bit. I wondered if any, any of that was audible.
3: Now, there was one, and Glenn just wrote in on it, okay. where um, Al Hutchinson said something about you're worthless. Or? Yes, yes, and I talked about that on the air. Right, ago. right. That was funny. Yeah. yeah, that was funny. He walked up. Because I heard it. He walked. Up. Did you hear Al say
2: you're yeah,
8: worthless? Yeah,
3: yeah. Al
2: and I. And then you commented and I it because kept, you were right to think that we might have heard it. I kept the name out. I didn't say it until after I could see it had a happy end. Yeah, yeah. That it wasn't saying you are fool, a, right? uh, which you know is danger then of, of bad things if you say to your brother you fool. Yeah. But he's walking up the the stairs and he sees somebody and they're smiling at each other and then he says, "Does <laughs> ah, yeah, well, Al Hutchinson, easy. you're worthless yeah, and you've heard that." <laughs> Yeah. So I explained, you might have just heard over the airway, yes, uh, you're and, worthless. Uh, it was
3: funny, yeah. knowing Al, too. Yeah, was and Al funny. was funny,
2: and he laughed, and they laughed, and they were all laughing about it, so <laughs> it could be told. That was a story that could be told. Well, and like you say, people come up to the window, hey, hey
3: how you doing? And then Sometimes. all of that is, well, hey, Roberta, or hey, Bill. And there
2: are times off the air, I've got the headset off, and I'll hear the, the engineer yeah. through my headset from Learfield, on the Beaver Sports Network from Learfield. He'll be, uh, I'm no longer Gene Collins, by the way, but he will,
3: <laughs> I'll hear, Mike, you're back, you're back,
2: as I'm saying, yeah, what section are they sitting in over there?
3: Yeah, <laughs> telling hello for me. The ones yeah. that I think are funny when, because I know this, is when you're breathing heavy, it's because you ran down to go to the bathroom and come back. I up. have, you know, and that's something back in the old days that, You
2: could call. I could call. There were times way back. Yeah. 99, 2000, 2001. Younger days. Before that. Well, yeah, and I I moved a little quicker, but I also could say, because we only had one radio station, I'd say to the board op, uh, we're going to take a three-minute post-game break here, (laughs) and I'll be back. I hope that's enough time, and I'll see you back here on the, you know, right here on 1340 or 1240 or whatever the case may be back in those early days when only one station was carrying it. Now the network breaks are timed out. Seven or eight stations carrying the games. I do not have that latitude. <laughs> so there's no longer any sprinting back and forth from the McGrath family press box no. down below, and sprinting's been long gone, Rocky, long for a long time. Yeah. Where are we at, Doc? Let's talk about the NCAA tournament. Well, Jim got Wilson, about thirty seconds. Is that all that's left? Yeah. Is is Arizona shoot too poorly to win it all?
3: Yes or no? No, I think they can win. it They're the still good game. enough to win it all. Cause they have to. Cause I have them winning it all. You do. Yeah.
2: Gonzaga and Memphis tough matchup. Gonzaga's still okay. They're yes, good they enough are. to. Are they good enough to win it all? Yes. By Who far. will win it all?
3: Gun- Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. Who
2: do you have Arizona playing? Gonzaga. For the title. Yeah. I hope it happens for the West. Yeah. For the sake of the West. The West. Bad Marks Brothers film, Good Saying by Horace <laughs> Greeley. Thanks for joining us today.
5: K-E-J-O Corvallis. And translator. K2290i Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.